one sat alone beside the highway begging his eyes were blind the light he could not see he clutched his old rags and shivered in the shadows then jesus came and bade his darkness flee it's time to open the word once again with evangelist lester roloff on the family altar program for all is changed when jesus comes to stay Old Dr. Jeff D. Ray, my homiletics teacher in the seminary, said a preacher or anybody serving the Lord ought to know that he's saved and you ought to know you know it. I give you about seven or eight reasons tonight. My text would be the last chapter and verse 13. 1 John 5, verse 13. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. Let me introduce the message by saying in order To be saved, there's not a better book to read than the Gospel of John. Just read the Gospel. It's the believers. It's not one of the synoptic Gospels or the common views. There were three pictures taken. Matthew took one. Mark took one. Luke took one. And we call those the synoptic Gospels or a common view. Even though one of them took a picture, maybe in a little different way, of the life of Jesus. But John, with his heart filled with love for lost people, God said, I'll let you write the believer's gospel. And so you know what happened in uh, chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten, full of grace and truth. And then he comes into that uh, third chapter and has a man knocking on the door. Talking about miracles and Jesus said, let's talk about the new birth. And that great third chapter especially verses 14 through 18. Wonderful verses. If you want to be saved, read the Gospel of John. I know Romans 10, 9 and 10, and, uh, but uh, John 5, 24, 6, 37, John 10, 27, 28, but a lot of different passages. But you read the Gospel of John. Then, if you want to jump over on the shores of no-so, you've heard of oh-so, I'm talking about no-so. I'd rather be on no-so than oh-so. Most people live on 
also or something else, but we could know so if you'll read and believe. And so I'm going to be in this chapter, in this book, a number of chapters tonight. Number one, the distinguishing badge of the Christian is a four-letter word, a one-syllable word. It's the greatest proof. It's the greatest announcement that there is. And so I'll call your attention to 1 John chapter 3, 1 John chapter 3, and we'll see the opposites in these two verses. Verse 14, we know that we've passed from death unto life because we love. And that's it. And the next verse introduces the devil's love, which is spelled H-A-T-E. Heap of difference. Now you get hate from the devil, you get love from God. Now, the Bible said, He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. Have you ever tried to define love? Have you ever, somebody said, What is love? What is love? Well, the best definition, of course, of course, I heard about a little girl one time, and she was getting grown, of course, and she was, uh, she was really, I mean, up to where uh, matrimony had already sort of seeped into her little mind, and she was uh, interested in a very fine young man, and, and she was in a class, and the teacher said, um, uh, does anybody here have a good definition of love? And uh, she was just fidgety as she could be, and she thought, I believe I've got the answer. And she stuck up her hand, and the teacher said, all right, Mary, said, what is your definition? Uh, she said, teacher, it's, uh, it, uh, it's that inward, outward, all overish feeling that you get. <laughs> That's the best she could explain it. I mean, it's kind of everywhere, wasn't it? Now, he that loveth not, knoweth not God, for God is love. We live for what we love. No problem at all. If somebody loves, you hear a man talking. He's downtown. He's in the office. He said, man, listen. Whew, I love to play golf. Oh, I love that golf game. Man, I, I, you watch him. He'll be out on the golf Links pretty quick. You know why? He's doing what he loves to do. Never forget old Hugh Hackman and all my men over Second Baptist. They said, now, Brother Olaf, you need recreation. You're burning out. You're going too hard. and You need to relax. You can go out on a beautiful golf course. And you can just relax and forget all about the burdens and problems and hard-headed deacons and stubborn members and back. And you can, and I want you to know, old Hugh and B.Z. Zimmerman and all the rest of them, you know, they just said, now, so I said, okay, I guess I'll go. So we went out south at that, uh, that you know, and of course, 
That's back when a preacher got to do everything free. I used to go to New England cafeteria and um, Ms. Roloff and Pam and Elizabeth Ann, and we'd go down there, and uh, it was half price for a pastor. That's back when we'd eat a tremendous meal for 40 or 50 cents. That's half price. Boy, if I ever went over a dollar down at the New England cafeteria, I mean I was overloaded. Now then they tell me it's over two dollars. Huh? I don't know. I just don't. But I got out there and I they they, they said now said of course I had no clubs. I didn't know a club from I knew a club. I thought something you hit something over the head with, see. But they said now I, I'll take my clubs and and my irons and and the balls and the tees and I didn't know what a tee was. I didn't know anything. I went out there and and uh, I stood around, and I watched him. Now, you talk about a country ball on the golf course. I was it. I mean, I was just it. Now, I, I'd been used to playing ball, you know. I'd take a baseball bat and just wham and just knock it and watch it go and run my legs off around the base. But uh, I got out there, and, of course, old Hugh Hackney and the boys, they were, they, they wanted to be perfectionists, you know. And I'd, I'd stand look. It looked silly to me. Old Hugh Hackney, he'd get it, you know, and, He'd uh, twist his feet, you know, and he's done. I said, well, uh, Hugh, won't you go ahead and hit the thing, boy? Let's go. He said, he, he, well, he, he, you know, he, he'd take it and he'd twist his hands, you know, and he'd carry on and, and he'd just twist like this, you know, and, and he'd just come. And, and I thought, well, man, I'll go make a visit while you're getting ready to hit the ball. Huh? And he, he, he'd get there, boy, and he had a little glove on, you know, and everything, and oh, I'll tell you, and, and, and finally he said, and he watched, you know. And the ball ooh, took off down there. And, and I, I, let it, I, I let everybody go first because I had to find out what they were doing. I didn't know. I just didn't know. I'd never been. And, and, and so they, they all teed up, knocked it, and it's supposed to go down. And so they said, all right, Brother Roth, I think you better use this club. I said, okay, hand me one. Just hand me one. And so he got down there and, you know, he teed up and put a little white ball there, you know. And I said, okay, I'm ready. And he said, sure, go ahead. And I said, he said, let me show you. I said, no, fiddle, I know how to hold them. I can, man, I can hold it like I do a baseball bat. I said, boom. <laughs> Brother, I like to lost the ball. <laughs> Listen, Hugh Hackney, BZ, and they looked, they said, man, said, how did you do? I said, nothing to it at all. Boom, hit it. <laughs> I mean, how's it? Man, we, we went on around. I heard him talking about slashing, you know, and, and what's that other one? What? Slice, and one of them goes that way, and one of them goes that way. I didn't know beans about it. I just hit the thing, boom, and watched it go. I said, boy, it's good, isn't it? You know, they thought that was, they thought that was just tremendous, you know, see. But oh, the, you know, a lot of times I think a lot of our form doesn't amount to too much. Brother, I mean, I, all, if they'd have got out of my way, I could have hit 10 balls while they're spinning around. I don't know how I got off on that, but I know this. I know I'm saved. Yes, sir. 
I know people say, well, you know, I, I, I play golf on Sunday. And they, they, have you ever noticed how pious they look? They said, I, I, I can get awful close to God just out in beautiful nature. Oh, they said, on the Lord's day, I just love to walk on the green. And I, I love to smell the fresh air. And I just, oh, I can get so close to the Lord. You know, I heard that stuff for so long, I finally got it one time, and I said, let's have a testimony meeting. And the people got to testifying when they got saved. One of them said, you know, he said, I got saved in a revival campaign. Got saved in an old Bushard meeting. I got saved uh, in a preaching service. And I got saved. And uh, a fellow came up. And he said, I want you all to know, I got saved on the golf course. He said, you know, I hit the ball at number nine and said I made such a beautiful, said I made a hole in one. And I said, Lord, how good you are. I fell on my knees. God, now, I'm just telling that. You've never heard that in your life. I've never heard of a golf course Christian that got saved in old Sunday. You have me either. You have me either. Brother, you, you be done with much that nature worship. Jesus is my nature. I don't want a, I don't want nature of a mountain or rain or a cloud. I want God's nature. And I get it through Jesus Christ. Let me give you some reason. Number one, I love everybody. I love everybody. That's a miracle. I love the people that have hated us. I love the people that have been after us. I love them. Love every one of them. Wouldn't be, I'd be glad to fix a meal for him tonight, put no poison in it. <laughs> I'd give him the best bed I got, love him, visit with him. I mean, it's stupid to be ugly to anybody. Amen. It's a miracle to have love. I like to hear these girls say, I hated mom, and now I love mom, you know. But Jesus did that. I don't ever, listen, read that next verse. We got it right there. Uh, it's about uh, verse uh, 15. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. You open your big mouth and tell me you hate somebody and I'll tell you where you're going to spend eternity. And it won't be heaven. You say I hate certain person in that dormitory. Hey, I tell you what. You're a murderer. You know how to tell the boy at the jail? I say, fellas, no murderer could ever go to heaven. You get their attention like that. And maybe some will speak up and say, well, what about me? I am a murderer. Well, I said, as a murderer, you cannot go to heaven. But if you get saved, you're a Christian. You're not a murderer. Then you can go to heaven. See? I tell you, it's wonderful to know that Jesus will save a murderer, murderer from murdering. All right. Now then, let's turn to 1 John chapter 3 and verse 17. You don't hear this one mentioned very much. But it's so. Whoso hath this world's good and seeth his brother have need and shutteth up his bowels or heart of compassion 
from him. How dwelleth the love of God in him? What makes you think you're saved as a tight wad? Huh? What, what makes you think so tight you'd crawl under the gate to save the hinges? There's something wrong with you. I tell you, dear friend, there never has been such an animal as a stingy Christian. You've never learned to give. You've never learned to live. What happened to uh, uh, that little fellow over there in uh, the book of Luke, about 19th chapter? You remember, little old short, sawed off the fellow. He said, you know, I'd like to see that fellow called Jesus. To me, this was showing that he didn't have something he wanted. And his curiosity got the best of him. But he was like a lot of these people, you know, uh, that kind of ashamed to come out here, you know, to people's church. I think we got a lot of people to come if they could just come in visibly. Yeah. People's curious. I said, I wish I knew what's going on out there. Yeah. What's well, a strange bunch out there? And so I, if, if they just knew what they want to, most of them would come. And so uh, he said, I tell you what, now, I wouldn't identify myself with him at all. I mean, I just wouldn't do it. I, I, I understand he's a fanatic. Nazarene, and I sure wouldn't. I mean, I, I'd hate to get my good name spoiled. And after all, I'm a rich man. And so he took off down the street, found him a sycamore tree, and up he went. I think he looked everywhere, you know, said nobody looking. I guess I'll get on up. And he'll come right down this street. And he did, didn't he? He was right about that. Old Nicodemus got up there, and I think he sort of chuckled, said, he'll never see me. I mean, I get the best look of anybody. And boy, here come the crowd. And Jesus was a walking and a talking and a blessing and having a big time. And he's asking questions. All of a sudden, the procession stopped under a sycamore tree. Old Zacchaeus said, I'll just sure be still now. <laughs> oh, no, he didn't say, Hey, look up here at me. Oh, no. Boy, he just, he'll pull him leaves over and limb. <laughs> And would you believe it? He heard somebody say, Zacchaeus, come down out of the sycamore tree. I must have needs abide at thy house today. Oh, he said, I've had it. And he comes sliding down. Can you see the kid said, that's Mr. Zacchaeus. Boy, let me tell you something. But I tell you what I believe. I believe Zacchaeus got saved somewhere between the limb and the ground. You know, he accepted the invitation of Jesus. Jesus said, come, Zacchaeus. He said, I'm coming. Down he comes. You know, that's about what it takes to get saved. When Jesus said, come, won't you come on? Why do you want to stand right? You will shake your head. Head on there with me. Old Compton, you know. Huh? Brother Jesus makes the difference. Well, Zacchaeus said, uh, and Jesus said, I'm going home with you. And he said, yes, sir. And notice what he said. He said, you know, I'd like to give half my goods to feed the poor. He didn't even start off with 10%. I guess nobody taught tithing to him. <laughs> I'm glad they had because he'd got, he was just giving 10%. He gave 50%. 
Well, Nicodemus said, I can't give a tenth. I'll give a half. That's it. You know what? He got saved. He got saved. Uh, these penny pinchers, nickel nibblers, they, you're never getting work for God. Listen, when we give all we have, we make ourselves available for all he has. Amen. If we give in the right... Now, the Bible said, if you see your brother have need and you shut up your loving heart to him and said, uh, I'll not do anything for him. I want to ask, how dwelleth the love of God in you, Buster? That's it. It doesn't. You're not saved. Love and liberality are two of the greatest signs of salvation. And he said, if I have cheated anybody, I'm going to give them back fourfold. Every time I read that, I get to thinking about Zacchaeus. And uh, they were fixing a nice lunch for Jesus. And Zacchaeus uh, said, you know, I just can't hardly wait. And I could make one little visit while they're getting it ready, if you'd excuse me. Boy, he took off down the street, you know. He knocked. And little child, old shack of the house. Little child said, there he is, mama. He's coming for the rent. Well, she said, we don't have it. I know it, but he, he knocked on the door. You might as well go to the door. And she finally went to the door. And Zacchaeus stood there like my old uncle, smile on his face like a wayworn slop bucket. And he was smiling so big. And she wondered if his Mr. Zacchaeus, she said, he said, you know, lady, said, uh, I've overcharged you. And I'd like to give you, I've overcharged you $50, and I've got $200 for you right here. And these little orphans are yours. It's such a joy to do this. I mean, them little kids come crawling out from under the bed and said, is that really Mr. Zacchaeus? <laughs> Don't you imagine she said, Mr. Zacchaeus, this must be from the Lord. He said, it is. I met him while up the sycamore tree. Oh, listen. Don't you know he spread a lot of joy? Yes, dear friends. Liberality and love. Let's go on. There's another reason. Uh, be First John chapter 3, and it'll be verse 24. And he that keepeth his commandments dwelleth in him, and he in him, and hereby we know that he abideth in us by the Spirit which he hath given us. A man that's saved has got a different spirit. He's got a new spirit. He has the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit has him. You know when the Holy Spirit comes in a person? When he gets saved. Amen. Don't try to twist it around any other way. That's the truth. The Holy Spirit comes in, and that's the reason he seals you, and he keeps you, and he blesses you, and he feeds you, and he reveals, and, and he takes care of you. And if the Holy Spirit were to leave me right now, I could never preach again. My joy would be gone. I couldn't sing with the Spirit, couldn't pray in the Spirit, couldn't preach in the Spirit, couldn't do nothing. Amen. Any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he's none of his. 
none of his. Oh, the spirit of Christ. Daniel had a wonderful spirit. And you read through the Bible and find the people that had the spirit of the Lord. All right. Number four, First John chapter 2. And uh, we'll read from 1 to 5, my little children, these things right unto you that you sin not. But he said, if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. <laughs> oh, I tell you, uh, this came to me this week. We have an advocate. Supreme Court may not hear me, but the advocate will. The Spirit beareth witness with our spirit. Chapter 2, verse 2, And he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. He that said, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments. He's a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoso keepeth his word in him, verily the love of God perfected, Hereby know we that we are in him. I want you to see this great truth. The way to have God's love perfected in you is to let his word be perfected in you. Sit around and read the newspaper and the uh, New York Times and the, uh, the, the street journal, you know, all that kind of... Listen, we'll never have the love of God perfected in us without the word of God being... Now, let's go on. There's another reason. Verse uh, chapter 2 and verse 19, 20, and 25. They went out from us. That's one way you can tell where you stay or not. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. The best way in the world to prove that you're not saved is just to leave the people that are saved. I know you think up a lot of excuses, but you just go ahead. And when you're around God's people and you'd say, I just don't like them, I'd rather go with the other crowd, that's a sign you're not saved. You'd rather be in a beer joint than the church service, it's because you've got a beer joint heart. You'd rather shoot dope than to live in the Bible of hope. It's because you don't know Jesus. You'd rather listen to rock and roll. And I tell you what, boys. This is some deal here. Petition for National Elvis Presley Day. I tell you, as far as I'm concerned, they can have it when they get to hell, but I don't want to have it down here. You listen to this silly junk. Got room for signatures. Bye. Signature below, we the undersigned, hereby request consideration and instigation of a National Elvis Presley Day. We feel that his birthday, January the 8th, should be set aside as a day each year to honor and remember Elvis Presley, the man, the entertainer, the legend. He has a place in the history and shaping of the United States now, they ought to put miss on that shape. He did more to misshape this country than any man I know of. That thing, I'm telling you the truth. A man that died a dope addict with a broken home. 
was immoral and sinful and sorry. And they want to make a legend and fix him up as a saint. That's of the devil. Listen, if you knew how much rock and roll had robbed the purity and put those little girls and these little girls in a size stinking bed with dope and filth and venereal disease and immorality and the heartache that they went through. And it started when they listened to that sorry rock music. Why, I'd rather have 14 pot-bellied rattlesnakes from the King Ranch in my home with all the poison left in them than to have a rock and roll record. You don't feel out of way, get saved and say how you feel. Oh, listen tonight. You can't know you're saved as long as you live in sin. Notice what he said. They went out from us. They went out from us because they were not of us. He said if they'd been of us, no doubt they'd remain with us. Now then, let's go a little bit further. And uh, that's in... uh, See, I want to read chapter... Uh, verse 20, you have an unction from the Holy One and you know all things. You ought to know something when you get saved. Verse 25, this is the promise that He hath promised us even eternal life. Let me ask you a question. Do you believe He'll keep His promise? Yes, He will. He told me, promised me, and so I have it. All right. Now then, let's look at 3 and verse 8. Let's see if this has come to true. It come to passion. Verse eight. Bible said, uh, "He that committed sins of the devil, for the devil sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that He might destroy the works of the devil." Has He destroyed the works of the devil in your life? I mean, do you have the same old habits? Have the same old ugly things taking place? All right. Chapter 4, and we're winding up the message. Chapter 4, and it'll be verse 6. We're of God. He that knoweth God heareth us. He that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. One of the signs of being saved is hearing the word of God. Jesus said, I know my sheep. They know my voice. They hear my voice. They follow me. You know the way to tell where you're sheep or not? Figure out who you're following. The Bible said a hireling, they won't follow. But they'll follow the shepherd. And if we have the right kind of a shepherd, it'll help to have the right kind of sheep. You'll hear the shepherd's voice and you'll follow. The Bible said if you hear the word, it's because you must love the word. The last thing I want to say, First John Chapter 5, verse 14. Last reason. It's a good one. How do you know you're saved? How do you know that you got eternal life? Well, this is the confidence. This is the confidence that if we, that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He heareth us. Now, how long has it been since you had a prayer answer? Oh, we had one answered this week, didn't we? And we're going to have some more answered. Yes, sir. We're going to have some more prayers answered. I mean, I, I, I believe that 
Every day we ought to pray, expecting, believing, and then not be surprised when we get the answer. One of the ways you know you're saved, have you prayed for your mother? So many of you girls said, mother got saved, brother got saved, and people got saved. That's because you've been praying for them. The Lord hears and answers prayer. My confidence in Jesus, oh, it grows stronger every day. His grace I find sufficient to keep me in life's way. When I am sad and lonely, oh, he is a friend indeed. He gives me grace and comfort in every time of need. And he loves me. He's living in my heart. He loves me. He never will depart. He loves me. He died for me on Calvary. And that is why I sing. He loves me. Let's stand together. Don't live in doubt. Doubters never turn out to be shouters. You can know that you're saved. You say, tell me, Brother Olaf. Let me give you some verses. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, believe me, art God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Him that cometh unto me, I will in no wise cast out. Would you come tonight? Would you come tonight and trust him? While we sing softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling, calling for you, calling for me. Oh, see on the portals, can't you? Waiting, watching, watching for you. Is he going to see you come home tonight? Would you come right now as we sing? Softly and tenderly, Jesus is coming for you and for me. Say on the portals he's waiting. Watching, watching, watching for you and for me. Come home. Who shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Hey, who are weary? Somebody will pray with you. Somebody will pray with you.
said, if you can't help me, I might as well hang it up. And she gave her first testimony tonight. And getting somebody to pray with her. Folks, somebody can help you. We're going to close the service. Tonight, have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. What we do the next 24 hours is going to have a lot to do with the future of all of the world. Have thine own way, hey, Lord. Have thine Thou art the path And I am More man After thy will Every head bowed, every head bowed. Thank you for joining us today on the Family Altar Program with Lester Roloff. You may listen to the preaching and the special music of the Family Altar Program 24 hours a day when you visit our ministry website, roloff.org. We love hearing from our listeners. If this broadcast has been a blessing to you, please write to us at Roloff Evangelistic Enterprises, P.O. Box 100, Fort Thomas, Arizona, 85536. Again, that's Roloff Evangelistic Enterprises, P.O. Box 100, Fort Thomas, Arizona, 85536. This broadcast is made possible by the prayers and financial support of listeners like you. Thank you for partnering with us, and remember that Christ is the answer.